The Huskies are nearly two touchdown underdogs to the Ducks on the road. But does that mean all hope is lost? Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thanks so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe if you haven't already, please, wherever you're listening to or watching this show right now. Today's episode brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. We've got Danny Cannell coming later for the Pac-12 Prime Picks and uh, also a little bit of discussion on uh, which team is best poised to get in the playoff for the Pac-12 because he has uh, some interesting thoughts. Hint, he does not think it is great if Oregon wins out. But speaking of the Ducks, they've got the biggest game in the Pac-12 this week as they host the Washington Huskies. And Washington is a pretty sizable underdog here. It's a lot of points to lay. It's not part of the Pac-12 Prime Picks, in a rivalry game like this, both coaches have kind of been pretty open about the fact that they're buying into the rivalry. They're not trying to downplay it or anything of the sorts. I think that tends to lend itself for a, a little bit of a closer game. I also feel like with the way Oregon's defense has played in garbage time this year, it could be, you know, if, if it does get to that that situation, Washington will be poised to come ramming through the back door here. Numbers 13 and a half. According to our friends at Bet Online, that's that's pretty big. That's pretty big numbers. So, I, I would lean the Huskies there. But I think the question that everyone wants to have answered is: Can Washington actually win this game outright? The answer to me is yes. They they can. Do they need it to look a certain way? I think that answer is again yes. But biggest key for the Huskies: You got to keep Michael Penix upright. You got to keep Michael Penix upright, and they've done a very good job of that. But if he is under pressure and it makes you run the ball more than you want to, or doesn't allow the receivers enough time to get open down the field, that's playing into Oregon's hands. If you're Washington coming into this game, you you cannot, absolutely cannot get into a situation, and I haven't glanced at, at, at the weather forecast, which perhaps I, I should do. You can't get in a situation where it's which team can run the ball better. Because if you do that, that's going to favor Oregon big time because the Ducks have been really, really good running the football. They've thrown it well. But the ground game has been the base of what they want to do. And if you get into a, a slugfest like that, I think it definitely favors Oregon. But if you're Washington, you really want to come out and throw the ball basically as much as you can. Should be nice weather on Saturday. That's good news for for the Huskies, who almost lost to the Beavs in Seattle, but they were able to, to, to grind it out. But going up against a much better, much more talented Oregon offense that will certainly score more than than 21 points. They haven't been held under 40 yet in, in Pac-12 play, which I'll get to in, in just a moment. But if you're Washington, I really think you want to come out and throw the ball as little as possible or run it as little as possible, throw it as much as possible. That's the formula to move the ball in this Oregon defense. They've been really good against the run this year, and that's the strength of, of their team. Their linebackers, Noah Sewell, Jeffrey Bossa, Justin Flo, those guys are where this defense has made their money this year in what has been the weaker of Oregon's two units. I guess their special teams have been just okay, but they haven't been bad. The defense has been inconsistent. They've showed glimpses of all the talent they have on that side of the ball. They have not maximized it. But the biggest reason 
And DJ Johnson, their best pass rusher off the edge, Dorless, you know, rotates in and out. Brandon Dorless, that is. He goes on the interior and on the outside. Those are Oregon's two best pass rushers. If you neutralize those guys, or if DJ Johnson doesn't play, and as I'm recording this, he's he's questionable, he's iffy, maybe he won't be 100% if he does go. That's big for Washington because I think the formula for the Huskies to win is to throw it, I'm not kidding, 50 times. Come out, full Mike Leach. Because if you start trying to run the football and be perfectly balanced and do what Oregon's going to try to do to the Huskies' defense on offense, I think that's playing right into Oregon's hand. They want you to run the football more so that their linebackers can thrive. But their linebackers have been iffy in coverage this year, very exploitable over the middle, especially if you get wide receivers matched up on them. They have not been good consistently defending the pass over the middle. The corners have been up and down. They've been getting better. But overall, it's definitely the weakest area. And you look at Oregon's past numbers this year defensively, they haven't been very good. They were improved against Colorado this week, but it's Colorado. Jack Plummer had just over 200 yards and two picks, but it's Jack Plummer and Cal. And the Bears certainly have better weapons, but neither of those offenses are really, really big time. And Washington's got great receivers. McMillan, Polk, Adunze, like those are some dudes. And if Michael Penix is given time, which he should have, because that Washington offensive line has done a great job this year keeping the pressure off of him. I think the only game where he was, you know, a little flustered by a consistent pass rush was maybe UCLA when the offense had 16 points through three quarters. They did score a couple late touchdowns there. I could see this game playing out that way if Washington is not able to move the ball. But I think you have to look at the Georgia game if you're if you're the Huskies and say they just threw the ball. Sometimes they just flung it outside. Just a quick little bubble screen, and Oregon may have only held it to a six- or seven-yard gain sometimes, and they've gotten better defending the screens, but Oregon is not creating negative plays on balls thrown behind the line of scrimmage to wide receivers this year. So if you're Washington, I think your run game has to be very RPO-heavy to keep that as an option because you want to get your receivers involved as much as possible. And I think that's the good news for Washington, and the upside for, for any Husky fans out there is Their biggest strength throwing the football is Oregon's biggest weakness, defending the pass. They had a coverage bust last week against Colorado. Other than that, they were solid, but they've allowed some downfield shots over the last couple of weeks, one to Colorado and a couple to Cal. They've been they've been unable to get off the field on third down and Washington was prolific. I mean, just incredible on third down and whatever yardage it was against Oregon State and the Beavers defense has been better than the Ducks this season consistently is Oregon going to take a step forward that's what duck fans are hoping for but is that a guarantee it doesn't feel that way Oregon's been really bad defending the pass and they've been really bad on third down and where's Washington been good those two areas I don't think this is a game where Washington needs to do something well they don't normally do well like running the football at, at a high high level or you know controlling the clock I think you have to get into a shootout here Oregon's offense has been really good they'll be tested a little on on the front with with that Washington front four because they've got some really good bodies there but that Oregon offensive line is probably the best in the Pac-12 they've been incredible Bonex has been sacked once in nine games he's been sacked one time wasn't even against Georgia and it was kind of like a technicality set he has not been under pressure all year and I think if you go into it as a Washington fan thinking well our defense has got to slow them down and we got to keep it low scoring I don't think that's a formula here I think your formula for Washington is score a lot of points, 
and just try to outplay them on, on that on that side of the ball. Washington can win this game, but they've got to be able to do that. And if you wanted to spice it up as a Washington or Oregon fan or anybody else, you want to go check out Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football this season. You can go into any game, including Oregon and Washington, or any other game across the Pac-12. It's a full slate. We've got USC Colorado tonight. We've got five games tomorrow. You can go to any player, look at their total, pick them over, under, whatever you're feeling, boom. Make cold, hard cash in a single game. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100, you get $100 free. It's that simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On, one word, to get in on the college football pick'em action today. Defensively for Washington, I think that slowing down this Oregon offense is tough because they're so balanced. They're they're not a one-trick pony. They have run the ball really well. They've kept Bo Nix upright. They have a lot of different weapons. I think you have to make them work for it. They've been willing to do that this year. It's hard to look at what the Ducks have done offensively and say, well, there's an easy way to stop it. You just have to do this. You just have to do that. That's why my biggest key for Washington is to hope – Harp in on their strengths. Sorry, wrong word. Um, because if you try to go defensively, and the Washington defense has had some really nice moments this year. I mean, they allowed that drive to Oregon State where the Beavs ran the ball a lot. And then after that, Oregon State didn't do much of anything. Now, Oregon's got better weapons, a little better offensive line, and certainly they've had better quarterback this play this year with Bo Nix. But I think if you're Washington you do need to make them earn it, and that's kind of the best you can do. But I think the red zone is the biggest key. I, I think if you're the Huskies, you're trying for that bend-don't-break mold. The best defensive performance, really, it, it kind of got away from the Cougars late. But in any half of football, Washington State has played the best half against Oregon this year. That was the first half up in Pullman. Is it tougher at Autzen Stadium than when you're at home? Sure. But what Washington State did well in that game was not allow Oregon to go down the field and score a bunch of touchdowns. And the Ducks had to score 21 points in like five minutes to put up over 40 in that game. So I think for Washington defensively, biggest key, red zone. You hold Oregon to field goals, and you just come out and throw the football. I mean, Penix has got to have at least 40 attempts in this game. If he is under 35, I think that unless they're hitting a bunch of deep shots— I think that philosophically is a misstep from the Washington staff because of what Oregon does well and what they don't do well. I think you throw the ball a lot with Michael Penix. Trust your offensive line. The Oregon pass rush has not been that good this year. They've been okay at times, but they've been inconsistent at best. And the offensive line played really well last week. You give Penix time, and he will be able to find holes in this Oregon defense. They've been there all season long. But I think that's how this game has to play out. You hold Oregon for Washington and get a win, that is. You hold Oregon to field goals, and you rely on Michael Penix. You let him sling it around for 300-plus yards and see if he can go win you the game with his left arm. Let's get to our Pac-12 prime picks and just a little bit more with Danny Cannell. 
And I'm thrilled to now be joined on Locked On Pac-12 by Danny Cannell, CBS college football analyst, also does some work for FS1 and Sirius XM Radio. We love bringing him on for our Pac-12 Prime Picks. This week brought to you by Bet Online. Danny, a lot of big numbers on the board this week. It's been a theme over the last few weeks in the Pac-12. If there's going to be a shakeup, it'd be a pretty big upset. But some very, very interesting little things to watch for in the numbers that, that I look at this week in the Pac-12. Totally agree, Spencer. It's great to be back with you. I cannot wait to see how this thing shakes out. And how about the resurgent year the Pac-12 has had? I think it's awesome. I think it's great for the conference. Four teams in the top 13. And you've got multiple teams that have a legitimate playoff chance. That's about as good a year as you could ask for. Now it'll be really fascinating to see how this thing closes out the season. I, I am as well. And so let's get into our, our prime picks, which I, I got back over 500 this week. It's been a little up and down, but a clean sweep would be really good. So I might uh, might lean on your inside here. My ride with my gut. We'll kind of see how, uh, how it goes. But the first one I like is the Cougars have been very good to me this year. Washington State here in the prime picks. They've hit every time I've, uh, I, I've picked them to cover. They're seven and a half point favorites at home against Arizona State. And my initial reaction, this line opened at nine. It's moved down to seven and a half. My initial reaction was, I think that could be a, you know, a, a letdown bounce back spot of sorts for Washington State at home against an Arizona State team that is a little better than you think, but still not very good. But I eventually came down on the Cougars side of things here, Danny. I think they win by at least 10. Because I look at that Arizona State defense and I say it's kind of comparable to Stanford. And the Cougars offense has been hit and miss. But they've exploited defenses that have given up points this year. And their defense at home has been nasty. I'm with you. Uh, you know, getting uh, – and I, I like the Cougars too. Getting off that three-game slide I think was huge for them. And now you come down the stretch. And I think if you're thinking about bowl eligibility, which at this point in the season you're five and four, you're trying to think of what motivates a team – that is something you absolutely have to look at. And then if you look further down the schedule, road game at Arizona, Washington top 25 opponent could be a little bit tricky uh, in that rivalry game. So I think it's kind of like you've got to take advantage of it while you can. I think they'll be highly motivated. And that offense was clicking on all cylinders last week with a 52-point uh, outburst. So I think they'll kind of carry that momentum into this one. And on the flip side, it's, it's hard to go Arizona State has been so up and down all season. There, of course, with uh, three games remaining, could they win out? Potentially. I think we'll get their best effort early in this game. But I think late, I think Washington State pulls away. The other thing that, that makes me lean towards the Cougars here is this game is in Pullman. Arizona yeah. State just had a big offensive week, but that was in the desert. It's warm. It's sunny. It's comfortable. Now you go up to Pullman. It's going to be under 40, might be under 30 degrees at some point. In this game, I know Cam Ward is new to Pullman, but he's played games up there this season. I always feel like that is a big advantage, especially for an Arizona State team that, you know, can run the ball a little bit, but really has done a lot of their damage through the air with Trenton Borgay in there at, at quarterback. But the other thing, too, Danny, aside from Oregon, whose offense has been unstoppable, essentially in Pac-12 play since that Georgia game, really all season long, other than the Georgia game, of course, no team has managed more than 21 points in Pullman this year. And although Arizona State's offense had a big week last week, UCLA's defense can be a little hit and miss. That was at home. That was in the desert. It was in a warm climate. Now you go on the road to that Cougars defense, which is the hallmark of, of their team. Jake Dickert's a defensive coach. I think they're 
going to keep the the Sun Devils at least under 24. And I think with the way Cam Ward and that offense are playing, they won't put up 52. They were helped by turnovers from Stanford a week ago. But I do think they can cover that 7.5. I, I think they win. We'll see if a late touchdown uh, determines it. But I think it's going to be at least in, in the 10 to 17 range. Totally agree. I, I see exactly kind of the same way that would unfold there. And a little bit of an under-the-radar game here in the Pac-12. Yeah, and it's supposed to be the closest one, at least according to the lines, because the other ones, there uh, there's some big ones out there. So, next one I like, UCLA at home. This is one of those key numbers I talked about earlier. It's under 20 points right now, 19 and a half. If it goes over 20 and you get 20 and a half with some late line movement, I might lean Arizona, but under 20, that Wildcats defense, Swiss cheese implies there are areas that don't have holes. It's just... It's, it's it's barely even cheese. It's just, it's there. It's on the field, but they're not stopping anybody on a weekly basis. They scored enough to cover against, uh, against USC, not against Utah, but I feel like UCLA at home, they're, they're on a mission after that Oregon loss and they're giving up less than 20. I think they, I think it's a lot of points. It's a lot of points, but their UCLA just won't be stopped in this game. I don't think so either. I think coming down the stretch, it's all it's almost like bowl season when you get there early. Like who's motivated, who wants it more, who's gonna put in the work leading up to the practice because everybody wants to turn, you know, show up for the game and play, but it really does take place the week leading up. And with Arizona looking at five straight losses in the face and really wasn't competitive in the Utah game. That was one where I thought they might cover in that one. I was wrong on that one because they had played USC so tough. But I think this one I think UCLA kind of, I'm sure that Chip Kelly will go show them the USC game and say, hey, look, look at what this team is capable of if you take them lightly. So I think they'll go out there and I think they'll put down, uh, impose their will on the Arizona Wildcats. I'm with you. I think this will be a big win here too. You start getting those to, uh, the CFP rankings, you start tasting what could be at stake. There's more to play for. I think they'll come in fine-tuned and ready to go because that's really the only thing. The talent is there. It's if you overlook an opponent, but coming down the home stretch, I mean, every game kind of feels like a playoff game. So I think UCLA will come up ready to go. I, I like Arizona's offense a lot. I mean, Jaden Delora has done a fantastic job yes. turning this program in the right direction. The one thing about them, like losing games, but they've been competitive in most of their games and they've, they've absolutely turned a corner. So you have to feel like better about the program. I think UCLA is just in a different level right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And with the USC comparison, I like that you brought that up because Arizona did hang around and I didn't think they would. I, I had that as a USC pick because I looked at it and said, no, I think that, you know, USC is just going to be, be basically unstoppable. And they were. But that USC defense is struggling in a bad way. They allowed 35 points to Cal. Game came down to the final possession. Like the defense is starting to to come back to the regress to the mean a little bit compared to what they did early in the season. I think UCLA's defense is not the strength of the team, but I think it's better than USC's. I, I think that you know Latu is a fantastic player. I think on the back end, they've been more consistent from what I've seen. Not as many big plays. I think they'll probably pick off Delora pro probably just one time, but I, I think their ability to just get off the field sooner is is why I've got a little bit more confidence in uh, in the Bruins there. As long as it's under 20. If, you, if you're listening to this or watching this and the line has creeped up to over 20, I definitely lean the Wildcats. That just seems ripe for a backdoor cover if you tell me the line's 20 and a half. But at 19 and a half, take the Bruins. Here's an interesting one, Danny. And this line, depending on where you look, moves around a little bit. And it's Cal getting two touchdowns 
at Oregon State. My buddy talked me off the ledge of taking Cal last week against USC 21 and a half. Cal just doesn't get beat badly that often. But the other thing you have to consider here is that Oregon State at Reeser Stadium has been a really good team, and they have beat teams handily. They beat Boise by 17. They beat the Cougars by 14, and the Cougars took care of Cal pretty handily earlier this year. They beat Colorado 42-9. to Like, they have been dominant inside of Reeser this year. Where are you leaning with this one? Uh, I'm leaning towards the home dog here in this one. I do. I, I think it's one of those games where you see that defense show up. Oregon State, not exactly dynamic offensively. They want to bring that run game. Had their quarterback issues kind of throughout the year. I think you'll be able to see uh, Cal keep it close enough here to cover that number on the backside. And that's a, and that's a road dog. Remember oh. that's that's yeah this is yeah this is in court this is in Corvallis so this is Cal at at Oregon State that's why I'm kind of on the fence about it because my instinct is like that's a lot of points take Cal they keep it close but Cal kept it close with USC because their offense scored their defense but it's it's kind of that that push and pull I feel worse about Cal's offense against this Oregon State defense but I feel better about this Cal defense against that Oregon State offense led by likely again Ben Goldbranson. I'll say the defense travels. I'll stick with my pick, even though I totally screwed up the home field. <laughs> home dog in this one. I'll go ahead and stick with it and say the defense comes through. Okay. I, I think I'm with you Another there, Another program, Cal. too, like, and we talked about the Pac-12 a little bit. Like, this is starting to showcase the depth of the conference. The job yeah. that Oregon State has been, you know, showed up in the top 25 last week, had the loss against Washington. But still, this is a good football team. You're starting to showcase some depth in the conference, too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I've been high on Oregon State all year. I think they were wildly undervalued at five and a half as their win total coming into the year. They're already past that. I think they will win this game, but I, I think Cal's going to hang around and, and cover again. Cal is not as bad as you would think. They're not good, but they're not as bad as you might think. Your home security might be, and this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, You'll want to listen up. Right now, Locked On Pac-12 listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. It's their biggest offer of the year. You won't even find a bigger one on Christmas, and you don't want to miss it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get the priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. We'll say Danny recommends it too. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. That is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We get to keep rolling here with Danny Cannell of CBS Sports because initially we we're just going to do the prime picks. But then before we came on a record, you told me that you thought Oregon winning out would be the worst-case scenario for the Pac-12 getting into the playoff. Why do you think that? I think it's very simple and straightforward. Now, this I don't want, I want to make sure this isn't like an anti-Oregon take because I'm just thinking of, and I want the Pac-12 back in the playoff, right? We haven't seen them, we're, you know, and, and it's been a great year for the Pac-12. I want them to be with a seat at the table. I don't want to see them left out again. But if Oregon wins out, I don't think they'll get the opportunity because Georgia's going to be in the conversation, right? And how do you overcome that 49 to three loss? And I know they're better. I know teams can improve. And I know Bonex has been pretty vocal about that. But if you were saying, all right, what is our best case to get in there? I really think it's USC. First of all, you, and all these teams have brands at this point, whether it's UCLA, USC, or Oregon. 
But USC does have the championship pedigree in the last 20 years to at least influence, even if it's subconsciously, the committee members that say, oh, yeah, we could picture this team going toe-to-toe. The best-case scenario for me in the Pac-12, if it's USC faces Oregon in the Pac-12 championship and beats them handily. Now, that's a lot that has to unfold. And I don't even think it has to be 49-3. to But at least if they beat them, they could say, hey, we beat the team that the SEC beat in their backyard. We can go toe-to-toe with them. And you can kind of picture that one. But if Oregon gets in, unless – I just – I don't think you want to have Oregon compared to Georgia or any other SEC team in there, even if it's Tennessee. If there's a one-loss Tennessee – and I thought Tennessee got beat down and was handled, and the score wasn't really indicative of the game, the way it unfolded. But if you're comparing Tennessee's resume to Oregon's, they're going to champion, hey, we played that team tighter than you did in their backyard. You you got blown out against a neutral site. I think we deserve that spot. I just think it's not an argument. I think it's a weak argument for the Pac-12 to get in if that's the situation that unfolds. So that that's the biggest cloud hanging over the Ducks. I am 100% with you there if it comes down to them against Georgia. But Georgia's probably going to be number one overall unless they lose in the SEC championship game, right? right. And, and the chaos team in all of this is 100% LSU because they're a two-loss SEC team, but they're number seven. And if they run the table here and win the SEC, it'll be really hard to keep them out even with those two losses. But that would be the same sort of argument that you'd use with Oregon, right? Is because the Ducks got blown out but they have just one loss, and LSU would have two, one of them getting housed by Tennessee. Who knows if they'd be in the picture at that point in time. The other one to Florida State, who's, you know, okay. I know they they trounced Miami, but the Hurricanes are, you know, building things back up, and, and Cristobal hasn't gotten things rolling there yet, clearly. But I think in the Pac-12, you're, you're right about the brand with USC, because right now, USC being four slots ahead of UCLA makes no sense. Joke. No. It's it makes it makes no there's no logical sense to it other than you'd like to see USC get in the playoff if you're media pundits, TV executives more than UCLA cuz UCLA you want them there for basketball, you don't want them there for football. You don't you don't care about that any about that at all. But I want to ask you about the Bruins, Danny, before I know you got to go. Do you think the Bruins cuz I I see the argument of why Oregon might not get in but If you start just eliminating teams, right, if you have a one-loss Big Ten team that's not a conference champion, you'd be weighing a big loss against Georgia versus a conference championship to an 11-1 Ohio State or Michigan team with Mm -hmm. with weak non-conference schedules. TCU, if they fall this week against Texas or if they fall in the future, have one or two losses, they could be out of it. But UCLA to me is interesting because they're sitting there with one loss. They'll get a crack at USC. If they win that game and if Oregon beats Utah, though UCLA would have the head-to-head anyway. Like, if the Bruins get into the Pac-12 championship game and get revenge against Oregon, what do you think their resume looks like then in the eyes of the committee? I think it's the second best. So I think USC is the best perception for the Pac-12, especially if they can – they their loss one point on the road at Utah is not a bad loss. That's one you can – everyone can look at and say, no problem with that, teams, it happens. UCLA then I think is next, because, and I think the best-case scenario for UCLA, they went out – they face Oregon, as you mentioned, avenge that loss. You would love to see it impressively. And the way that game unfolded, I mean, UCLA was right there with them, just came up short in some red zone opportunities. You could easily see UCLA coming on top of that game in a Pac-12 championship. Then you've got a team that hasn't seen you say, hey, this is a fresh face. We just beat Oregon. We could see that unfolding. And then I think Oregon coming in the rear. Although I am a fan of teams getting better, teams improving, and Oregon clearly 
first game under Dan Lanning, first game with Bo Nix in that offense. All they've done is continue to get better and better and better. I just think it, even the one, so George, I agree with you. One seed if they went out, but if then where do you think Oregon would fall? Unless they're ahead, I think the committee would say, do we really want to see a one four rematch of what we saw in that week one? And I think that hurts the Ducks' uh, chances if they're in that scenario. I hate and it. I, like, I trust me, I am so frustrated with all this stuff. Like, I cannot wait till we get to a place where conference champions are in because you guys in the Pac 12, unfortunately, have had to see this unfold. And I hate it. I don't think it's what sports are supposed to be about. I think your championships are supposed to matter to get you in a seat at the table. But unfortunately, it's a reality of what we have to deal with right now. We might have to have a conversation, you and I, one day on here on the show about uh, expansion. I'm, I'm not a big uh, college football playoff expansion guy, uh, wow. which which is to going to down. sound odd, which may say odd mount may sound odd to many, given that I am a Pac-12 fan. But I have my reasons. I always do. And we don't need that many reasons to bring on Danny Cannell of CBS Sports, FS1, Sirius XM, the guys everywhere. You've probably heard or seen him before. Danny, appreciate you coming on and providing some insight for this week's gambling and college football playoff picture as always. You got it, Spencer. Great being on. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Enjoy the football, everybody, and have a wonderful rest of your day.